Louis Armstrong hanging with Jelly Roll Morton, battling a Chicago Bear for the last lobster roll, and how Taco Bell almost broke up a marriage. This week, we're in Chicago. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. This is Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast and website for foodies at DestinationEatDrink.com. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Happy that you're listening. This is the show where we try the great dishes and drinks from the great cities here on planet Earth. And this week, we're in what I consider my hometown of Chicago. My guest this week, Dilla Thomas, founder of Chicago Mahogany Tours, a company that specializes in taking guests to some of Chicago's most interesting neighborhoods like Bronzeville, Pilsen, Pullman. Dilla is also a historian who knows just about everything about Chicago. We talk about the neighborhood where some of the greatest musicians of the 20th century lived within blocks of each other. We talk about the Tamale Ladies of Pilsen. And then Dilla tells me about the most paranoid robber baron in Chicago. Plus, we answer the burning questions of Cubs or socks and Deep Dish or Tavern Style. And speaking of the Sox and Cubs, we also talk a little baseball, specifically Chicago's role in the integration of the national pastime. It's a really fascinating conversation, and I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Dilla from Chicago Mahogany Tours. Thank you so much for being on Destination Eat Drink. It's great to get to talk to you today. Hey, thank you for having me. Dilla, um, you're from Chicago. I consider myself a Chicago person, um, even though I grew, I grew up in the suburbs. But my grandparents, my great-grandparents, they were on in the West Loop on West Jackson Boulevard. So um, I feel like I'm a Chicago guy, too. And so I thought to start this off, maybe I ask you a couple of uh, important Chicago-centric questions to kind of get the understanding of where we are together here. So um, first off, Cubs or Sox? Uh, White Sox. I grew up in a northwest suburb, so we spent a lot of time at Wrigley Field. But I, I always, I always loved the Sox too, because when I was growing up, it was guys like uh, Oscar, Oscar Gamble, Chet Lemon, Bucky Dent, guy, guys like that. And um, so I had a fondness for the Sox, and I always felt in Chicago that you know there was kind of a friendly rivalry between Cubs and Sox, but there wasn't like I. If someone liked the Cubs and you were a Sox fan, you didn't necessarily hate them. You would just maybe, right. you know, just give them some a little bit of grief and poke at them a little bit when when they lost. But it wasn't like Cardinals fans and Cubs fans where they really don't like each other. Do you have the same feeling with the, the Cubs and Sox rivalry, Dilla? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. I um, one is it's very hard to live in Chicago and, and go outside and. and and not really enjoy going to Wrigley Field, right? It's just a, the the environment, right? Pre-game, post-game, getting to your car, all, all that. Uh, it, if you go up there not liking the Cubs, that environment will soften your hot heart. But to, <laughs> to your point, right, um, we, 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 we're not that mad at each other. Um, I think the problem lies, I'm glad you asked that question. I think the 
city sometimes, right? The the uh, not any particular politician, right? But people who are in, who are in charge of festivals and that type of stuff, they make the city seem so cub centric, and that's what puts a bitter taste in us Sox fans' mouth, right? Like, you know, we won the series in '05. There's a ticker ticker tack, whatever you want to call it, parade, right? And then after that, it was nothing, right? Right. Um, and then you know, so those type of things. Yeah, there's no doubt that um, Chicago, as far as media coverage goes, it's Cubs first and Sox second. Um, and yeah. it is kind of a shame, man, because the Sox have had some great teams when I was growing up. Well, in the 70s, they weren't all that great. But in the 80s, they had some really good teams, you know, and they won the series in 05. That was well before the Cubs did it in 16. So, yeah. Okay. And then the other big question for Chicago person is uh, deep dish or thin crust? Oh, I got to go uh, tavern style cutting squares, brother. There you go. So thin crust, for sure. <laughs> and that's the correct answer. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've talked about Chicago style pizza on this podcast before. And uh, the thing that I always say is when, when people come in to visit Chicago, that's when you go out for deep dish because they want to have it. Yeah. The, the people from away want to have it. But if you want to have it like a real Chicagoan, you got to get the tavern style. What's, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite tavern style? Uh, so, so I like the couple, right? There's this one spot that I can't think, is it Days or something like that? But it's on basically, uh, 111th Street and uh, a little bit before Kesey, right? It's like one of those mom and pop spots. And then my, my favorite will probably be a tavern festa. And what kind of toppings on, on your tavern style? You straight sausage guy or? nowadays you know i try to eat healthier right so it might be something shameful like spinach or mushrooms <laughs> or you know chicken or something again i'm trying to stay around for the seven children you know last time i was in chicago um there was a place in the uh, i think it's in the south loop called Flo and santos that i went to and that was that was really good i really like that if you haven't been there it's worth checking out okay yeah well, i'm gonna have to do it dilla you got a great a great slogan, and I just I want to share this with folks, and then maybe have you explain it a little bit, because uh, I was just on your website again today, and I saw that you've now got T-shirts with your slogan that says, "Everything dope about America comes from Chicago." I can I can understand what that means, but tell me exactly what you mean by that, Dilla. Oh, oh, um, again, very excellent question. I'm really, really happy that you asked that uh, because it's the God's honest truth. Um, I'm not talking about daylight savings time, right? Because a, a lot of that we argue about. But uh, it's certainly appropriate that California is two hours behind Chicago. And that <laughs> that that concept here in America, time zones, that comes from Chicago, right? I think that's pretty dope. That keeps us all on time when we're traveling, right? Uh, to whether you like your brownies of the regular kind or the municipal kind, chocolate brownies are really awesome. That comes from Chicago, right? Um, we think about Jackie Robinson and him breaking baseball, and that 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 singular moment is awesome. But it starts with the East West Negro League All Star Games. That's where all the white major league owners would come, and that's what eventually gets them to see that they're making a mistake because those black players are really awesome. They can play ball. Oh, so really? That also comes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so cool. that comes from Chicago. Uh, same thing with the Harlem Globetrotters, right? They break bla uh, basketball on the professional ranks. They're only called the Harlem Globetrotters. They're from Chicago. So I could go on and on and on about uh, the different things that we love about uh, America, right? Just uh, when we think about the Civil War, right? And uh, we think about the, the one of the most pivotal battles of the Civil War is the Battle of Gettysburg. 
A first shots fired at the Battle of Gettysburg came from an Illinois regiment. Great many of those members of that regiment come from Chicago, man. Like the, we, we've been setting the tone for the country since we've been a thing. You know, you talk about uh, Negro League baseball. I was in Kansas City uh, a few months ago visiting some relatives, and I took my girlfriend to the, for the first time to the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame, which is a spectacular place. Have, have you been? Yeah, absolutely. I went down and uh, had uh, lunch with uh, President uh, Kendricks there. We um, uh, jointly talked about Buck O'Neill, who's Major League Baseball's first black coach, which, you know, he's also, you know, the Chicago Cubs gave him the honor, right? Right, right. So, uh, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing. So, right, there's that again, right, about dope stuff from America coming from Chicago. They, uh, uh, that, that place is awesome, that that field with all the Hall of Famers that, that made it in that yeah. first round. Absolutely, absolutely really cool. I, um, I'll tell you, the first time I went, this is years ago now, the first time I went to the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame, Buck was just sitting in near the entrance, just sitting on a folding metal chair by himself. And I just, I think it was shortly after that baseball series by um, Ken Burns was on television. And so um, I, I had seen him on that. And so I went up and I just, I just shook his, I was too nervous, just sh- shook his hand and said hello. But he was just sitting, you know, just hanging out at the, uh, at the Baseball Hall of Fame. It was the coolest moment. Yeah, that, that, uh, man, I'm jealous of you. That's for sure. Right. Um, that's that's why President President Kendricks always talks about him the way that he does. He uh, um, got to sit in there with him for a couple decades and and soak up all that baseball knowledge, man. It's it's Buck O'Neill that uh, uh, convinces Ernie Banks to come play for the Cubs. Oh wow, uh, Fergie. Uh, it's, it's, it's so many things, right? Because they're all his guys. They're all modern players, right? And so they they at that particular point, the Negro Leagues had turned the financial corner and. Um, everyone didn't have the thick skin that Jackie Robinson had as far as treatment goes, but it was Buck O'Neill convincing those guys to continue to come over, man. And, uh, you know, that's a story that, that needs to be told more before another day, right? <laughs> yeah. So you at um, Chicago Mahogany Tours, you have several different tours that you do of different neighborhoods in Chicago. And I got to say, these are um, these are not when, when someone opens up a guidebook of Chicago, the first thing they see is not going to be the Pullman neighborhood or the Pilsen neighborhood. You know, they're going to be going to the Loop or they're going to be going to Wrigleyville or something like that. So I'm so happy that you're doing these different neighborhoods and the first one I wanted to talk about, because it also slightly tails together with the baseball we've been talking about, is Bronzeville, because Rube Foster, one of the all-time greats, um, was from Bronzeville, if I'm not mistaken, as well as so many other great musicians as well. Louis Armstrong lived there, King Oliver, Sam Cooke, Lou Rawls, all these people yeah. lived in Bronzeville. I can't imagine what it was like, you know— um, hundred years ago, seventy-five years ago, in this neighborhood. I, I don't know how crazy it sounds, right? I'm starting to understand it a little more, though. That I, I guess it's just like what I was meant to be. But I feel it when I I'm over there giving neighborhood tours, and uh, again, it, it, it's why I have that particular slogan, right? Just think about the the level of blues or jazz uh, that comes out of Chicago, and it has everything to do with what you're saying. That proximity, right? So if you are Louis Armstrong and you're working on a jazz composition, uh, you only got to walk a couple blocks to Jolly Roy Morton's house to ask him how it sounds. Oh, right? wow. So you got the two best, you know, musicians ever in the world 
having those type of casual conversations. And that's why the music that comes from here uh, is genre creating, right? Same thing with like gospel music. You know, you have Thomas Dorsey and Mahalia Jackson in super close proximity. And so when they record Precious Lord, which most historians credit as the birth of the gospel music genre, it happens in Chicago, but he don't got to travel anywhere for the world's best gospel singer, right? He's just walking past the church here or singing through the doors. And so that, that proximity is what makes Bronzeville so, so great. And, and why that proximity existed is, is really sad, right? It's because of the restrictive racial covenants. 85% of Chicago was legally okay. It was legal to prohibit African-Americans from renting or owning in those spaces. So that forced pretty much all the Black people into Bronzeville. But what that did was it fostered uh, a level of creativity uh, nowhere else find it found in the country, you know, maybe New Orleans. You know, and uh, when you go to New Orleans, New Orleans is also one of my favorite cities in the U.S. You go to New Orleans and they do such an amazing job of promoting their history and culture when it comes to music and a lot of other things, too. But we're talking about music uh, right now. And, you know, you've got Louis Armstrong Park and you've got all of these things that remind you of all of the culture. And I was talking about this with someone the other day. I'm like, I feel like in a way... Chicago doesn't do enough to really tell the world how important it was in the development of music in the 20th century. You've got Chess Studios. I, 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 was, telling, I was telling someone this the other day. Chess Studios, I wish they could, they could create an amazing museum and community center for folks uh, down there. It, it does some stuff right now, but um, so much more could be done to promote what happened in Chicago. <laughs> It, it's um, it tells so many stories. Again, there's another uh, proximity thing, right, with Chicago. Right, you think about what Chess Records is. It's on 21st in Michigan. Uh, that's like what a mile from Maxwell Street, right? And so that's where the immigrant uh, Jewish community starts in Chicago, right? They usually come in the Maxwell Street, then they either go West Side, right? Then you know uh, the Jewish North Side, so on and so forth. But uh, for, forever in the day, the proximity between Jewish and African-American people, they always just live very close in proximity, right? And so the proprietors, the owners of Chess are, again, half a mile north of where Chess Records is. And then all these amazing singers who go to DuSable and Wendell Phillips High School, and they're taught by uh, Lillian Harden Armstrong, right? Who's Louis Armstrong's wife, right? She's a teacher in these schools. Oh my they're God. a mile south. They're a mile south of where Chess Records is. You, you see what I'm saying? So in this two-mile stretch, you, 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 uh, that's why you have Chess Records, right? You, you, they, they, they've been hanging together for years and years and years, and they're aware of that talent because of the Chicago Union Stockyards, right, which is also super close to that, man. So uh, I'm sadly right, uh, and this, I guess this is what has me so fired up to do what I'm doing. You're correct. If you land at uh, O'Hara Airport or Midway Airport and you pull the free travel guide, the only Southside neighborhoods mentioned is probably the Beverly Arts Center. Mm, right. uh, and how in the world are you going to get there? Right. It's all the way on Western. Um, when you could when you could take a, a Uber or a train or bike or whatever to Bronzeville and see the birthplace Black History Month. Wabash YMCA on 37th and Wabash is where the concept for Black History Month was born. Right. You can see that. Uh, in super close proximity to the house that Ida B. Wells lived in, that's still standing, is right there. 
Uh, and then you can still in, in that same close proximity, see the house that the Marx brothers were, were uh, raised in, right? Oh, they were um, from Bronzeville too? Oh my God. Oh, because, because that neighborhood was, it was, was Jewish. Was, so all the mansions, oh yeah. Yeah. All the mansions that you see up and down King drive, right? What we call King drive now were constructed for mostly the German Jewish grain merchants, right? Because we have that rich history with the grain elevator, and us setting the grain standard right down at the border trade where we're, we created commodities training trading here in Chicago. And so uh, all, all those rich guys bought those big Greystone mansions that you see uh, up and down. Uh, King Drive and the Marx Brothers were, were one of them. You do a tour in Bronzeville and you talk about a lot of these things, but I like talking about food. So when I go down to Bronzeville and I take your tour afterwards, where do I go for uh, lunch or dinner? Uh, awesome questions, right? So if you're unlike, if you're, if you, my son has fish allergies, so if he's there, we can't go. If he's not there, we go to this place called Two Fish. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, leaves on 43rd Street, uh, could be 47th Street, uh, but it's, it's certainly a very Google restaurant. It's called Two Fish. I took the Chicago Bears there when we concluded their Bronzeville tour. And uh, I, uh, uh, David Montgomery, the starting running back, uh, wanted the last lobster roll. I, I figured I better let him win. There was no way I was going to win that battle <laughs> in any competition, right? So he, he certainly got it. He might lay lay you out like a linebacker with a stiff arm. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You know, just shaking his hand like this is the strongest guy I've ever met, right? <laughs> so, but also the Ancient Sweet Bakery. Uh, it's a bakery and cafe. They have vegan options uh, as far as like vegan mac and cheese and vegan ribs. Sip and Savor is a coffee shop there that also has this amazing marble rye pound cake that uh, has put at least eight pounds on me since I started doing the Bronzeville tours. Nice. You know, and there's other stuff too, right? You know, um, you can you can, uh, go to Peaches, which is on 47. Uh, and King Drive. Uh, so, so there's a, a, a few uh, amazing places to eat over there. Let's talk about another neighborhood, the Pilsen neighborhood. I know about this neighborhood because it was originally a Czech neighborhood. And um, I have some ancestors that go back many hundred years to what's now the uh, Czech Republic. So I'm always interested in Pilsen. But the Czechs are long gone from there. It's now really, I don't know, for the last 50 years or so, ever since I was uh, growing up in Chicago, it's been mostly a Hispanic neighborhood. Tell me a little bit about what makes uh, Pilsen an exciting place to go. Um, so it's one of Chicago's oldest neighborhoods uh, because of its proximity to the Chicago River. Uh, a lot of the early Chicago factories were settled there. In fact, on 15th and Hostick, that they had a, uh, they went on, workers went on strike for their McCormick Reapers work and uh, a lot, a lot of your 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 countrymen that the early Czechs were working there, as well <laughs> as um, other European immigrants who worked for those factories. Anyway, they went on strike. The police went over there, knocked some heads, and in protest of the police brutality that happened on Fifteenth Halsted, the three days later they had another protest on Randolph and Halsted, and the world refers to that as the Haymarket riot, yeah, uh, which created riot. May Day. Yeah. Right. Which created the May Day holiday. But it was the, the Czechs and Pilsen who kind of kicked the whole thing off. Uh, so we talk about that on those corners. We go to what was what's today University Village uh, it was formerly the South Watergate Market, um, which is what brought in a lot of the Mexican immigrants to Chicago. 
because it was an open air produce market, right? And so, um, you know, they, they would farm local, because, uh, right, we think about Plainfield now, but uh, all that stuff around us then, especially early 1940s, was farmland, right? Right, right. And, and so uh, Mexican immigrants would, uh, you know, buy from those farmers out there and set up shops here uh, at that market. And because of its proximity to Pilsen, also, like I just said, Pilsen was the oldest, is one of the Chicago's oldest neighborhoods. And so when new immigrant populations come to Chicago, either the Mexican population, Puerto Rican population, black folks via the Great Migration, they always go to the oldest section of the city. Why? Because the rent's the cheapest, right? The yep. new stuff, they charge you new money. The old stuff, the rent's the cheapest, right? So um, Pilsen also is a great example of the Chicago street grade. So if you're walking, when a lot of those houses, you have to like kind of go down five steps to go through the front door. And that's because the street around it was lifted to install sewers, right? Uh-huh. So that's a, a clear demonstration of some cool municipality work. that You can see it all through Pilsen. Uh, and then, of course, you see the remnants of the Bohemian checks uh, in the names on the buildings um, uh, that are constructed, especially the real big ones on 18th Street. The Bohemian checks. Those are those are my people. South Bohemia. That's where <laughs> <laughs> that's where they came from. Uh, so what kind what kind of food are we going to have in Pilsen? We're uh, we're not going to have Czech food. We're going to have Mexican food. What What's your favorite, Dilla? Before before I tell you that, right, my wife is from East St. Louis, and so I remember uh, when she started to get used to Chicago. She said, "Hey, uh, Dilla, I want to go get some tacos." He take me to Taco Bell, and I I almost pulled the car over and, and told you know. I don't know if this thing's going to work, baby. You know, we don't eat Taco Bell in Chicago. There's certain places I got to draw the line. Yeah, like, you know, I, I can't, you know, this thing is uh, to death do us part unless you go to Taco Bell's in the Chicago proper. So that day I took her to Pilsen and we went to Luna. It's on 18th and Racine. Uh, but you can't you can't go wrong in Pilsen up and down, sir, Mac, up and down. Uh, 18th Street. I'd I be doing it uh, disjustice to name some. Uh, they have five-star cuisine there. Um, and Pilsen, sometimes they have featured guest chefs from other places. Uh, and then this little village, just um, good old-fashioned street carts, right? Uh, what, what, what do you call the Mexican corn? You know, in Chicago, that's what we call it. I know it has a proper name. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the culture, but in Chicago, it's uh, called Mexican corn, right? With the mayo and the cheese and, oh, yeah. and the pepper and all that, right? Uh, elote, maybe, is what it's called. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's the tamale ladies on the corner, right? Like the, the, the only English that the lady speaks is how much your change is going to be. And that's how you know it's going to be ready to be the best tomorrow you've ever had in your life. Right? She's probably got up at three in the morning and has been hand making the whole thing. So you can't you, you can't you can't lose in Pilsen. Dilla, the other neighborhood I wanted to talk to you about in Chicago is Pullman. Give me give me a little idea. Where where is Pullman and what makes it important in Chicago? Pullman is located on uh, what we were referred to as the far south side. Uh, historically, it starts at 103rd Street. Today, we call that North Pullman. Uh, it runs to about 115th Street. Uh, I would say the eastern boundary today is the Bishop Ford Expressway. A western boundary would be uh, Cottage Grove Avenue. It's important to Chicago because it's one of uh, the first uh, worker towns cr- uh, created by a company, right? There were worker towns before it, though, but this 
uh, becomes the model in which most companies use after the town of Pullman is created. Uh, it was uh, formerly belonged, the neighborhood formerly belonged to the Pullman train car company. Uh, also, it's, it's cool to Chicago because it's the first Chicago neighborhood to completely have indoor plumbing, which was uh, a thing a thing to marvel at in 1881, uh, which is when uh, the most of the construction was completed. It also is responsible for Labor Day as a national holiday. Uh, you know, we'd have to go through a whole history story about George Pullman and the Pullman train car strike of uh, 1883, 1884. But uh, to make the story short, short, when the Pullman workers went on strike, the National Railroad workers refused to hook up Pullman train cars to trains nationwide. Uh, about two thirds of the train cars around the country at that time were probably Pullman train cars. And so that shut the railroads down. That's the first time that the United States government intervened in a labor dispute. Uh, President Grover Cleveland is the one who did that. And as a olive branch for getting into it, uh, he gave, uh, he designated Labor Day as a national holiday. Uh, but all, that, that whole fight starts right there in Pullman. Dill, it's amazing to me that whole George Pullman thing and that and the Pullman strike. And, you know, as I was reading about it, the way that he treated his workers, uh, boy, um, I, I just wonder, w- without him treating those people so bad, would we have made all the progress we did? And would, you know, people have finally risen up and said, you know, enough of this, we're not going to take it anymore. But that was definitely the inflection point. I think there were others, though, during that time who, who that was, you know, sadly, the, the way that workers were treated and thought of during that time was really, really expendable. There are you look at like the Hoover Dam or the oh, they are my kids. Look <laughs> at the Hoover Dam or the Golden Gate Bridge um, in the construction process. They would list out how many what number was this acceptable number of deaths on the job site, right? So, you know, they, wow. they, we expect three people a day to die. And if less than that died, they considered it a win, right? If oh, it was, man. you know, right at three, it was the cost of doing business. So I think we still would have arrived to the point to where workers demanded uh, more rights. But um, what I do like to tell people when we talk about George Pullman is that he was so worried about how he would be treated in the afterlife that, uh, most crypts are six feet uh, below his is 10 and uh, the 10 feet is lined with kind of like steel rebar, broken glass, concrete, you name it, because he didn't want his oh. remains desecrated. Oh, my goodness. I thought when you when you were telling that story, I thought you were going to say he was worried about how he was going to be treated in the afterlife, that he donated all his money so that he would get into heaven. But he was literally worried about his physical remains being, <laughs> yeah. you know, desecrated. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're in Pullman, let's uh, let's talk about good places to eat there. What what kind of food can we expect when we're in Pullman? Sadly, Pullman is really, really close to Roseland, which is a place in Chicago that doesn't receive a whole lot of investment as it relates to, to, to that sort of thing. Um, we we now gladly have a Culver's over there, which uh, is being considered to be the first sit down restaurant to 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 call the Roseland slash Pullman community home in the last two decades. Right. Wow. Uh, so there isn't there isn't a lot of uh, like food meal options there. I'm a big fan of old fashioned donuts, though. This, they've been there for you know at least forty years. They're on the. Uh, I think they're right about 113th in Michigan. And then on 107th in Michigan, there's AP Deli, 
If you love a corned beef sandwich from uh, Manny's Deli down on Jefferson, you really love an AP Deli uh, corned beef sandwich. And again, they're on 107th in Michigan. Before we let you go, Dilla, any other places? We've talked about Pullman and Bronzeville and Pilsen, but um, outside of those, any other places that you want to mention that you are especially fond of as a Chicagoan? Man, that's such a loaded question. I'm really <laughs> yeah. in love with the city. <laughs> I uh, I enjoy where I live, right? Auburn Gresham is a great community. A lot of uh, we, we are part of the historic bungalow belt. Uh, I uh, really like going to Bridgeport, right? It's uh, home to four, four Chicago mayors uh, called Bridgeport home at one point. Um, it has the oldest bar in the city uh, right there on Hawthorne Street. And of course, you know, the Union Stockyard Gate. Um, I love the north side, right? The uh, uh, Mundelein College building up there at Loyola is one of the places that I show people when I'm showing off uh, Chicago architecture. I love the diversity of Rogers Park, right? It has the largest urban American Indian population in the country. Uh, so you can learn cool stuff up there. You know, I'm just a city guy, man. Dilla, it's been great having you on this show. You know, like I told you at the beginning, I consider myself a Chicago guy, but just talking to you for a little while, I feel like I've learned so much about Chicago and its history and, of course, its food, too. And as you say... Uh, everything dope about America comes from Chicago. I'd add to that, Dill is one of those dope things that comes from Chicago. Thanks for being on Destination Eat Drink. Hey, thank you for having me, man. It's really cool of you to say, man. Thank you very much. Okay, there you go. I could talk with Dilla all day. And now you know why he runs tours all over Chicago. He's like a human Wikipedia. I've got links to Dilla's Chicago Mahogany Tours website and his social media, as well as the places he talked about on the show in the show notes. That's at radiomisfits.com slash DED191. And you really should follow Dilla on social media. He posts great, great stuff. Well, that's about it for this week. If you enjoy the podcast, can you do me a favor? Rate and review us on your podcast app. Muto obrigado, as we say in Portugal. Next week, it's the Fab Four on the show. We talk about the Beatles in all sorts of different places around the world. Until then, get over to the mothership, DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about the popular marches contest in my town of Stubel, Portugal. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who never eats Taco Bell in Chicago. He drives to Milwaukee to get his fiery Doritos Locos Tacos, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.